0: This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we're recapping a phenomenal semifinal Sunday at the 2023 Division I Men's ITA National Team Indoor Championships. I assume many of you can already hear it in my voice. Oh, what an outstanding! day of tennis we were all treated to in the college tennis world, to equally dramatic, equally captivating, equally compelling matches unfolding, leading us to an all-state-of-Texas National Indoor Championship. It'll be defending champions, TCU taking on the University of Texas, each team taking distinctly different paths to reach tomorrow's final and joining me once again to help recap each team's semi-final victory is the man you know best as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula predictions never far from the listed utr one of the many dames to root for the liberty flames the lean mean vegan machine and Not to get too sentimental here, but perhaps this is reflected of of my broader mood, a man I am immensely grateful for, as he is the only person crazy enough to stay up each and every night to help me recap all of the compelling action. It's my dearest friend, Chris Hallioris. Chris, hey, great shot. Welcome
1: back to the show. What a day. How are you feeling? I mean, how can you not love a day like this? But. I'm sure it's clearly going to come through in our voices. My home state team loses, your your team loses. We got to we got to keep up, but yeah, what a day it was.
0: So I have tried my best to remove my previous biases. Of course, I will always be forever grateful to everything the University of Michigan has meant to me. Of course, I will forever feel attached to the University of Michigan in my life. That said, I have tried my best over the course of the past few years to adopt a nonpartisan perspective on all of our analysis analyses. And I was on the phone with my cousin, Brad, my younger brother, Nick, following the matches today. And they both yelled at me. They were like, where was the pro Michigan talk? They were like, we heard nothing. It was a lot about the Texas fight, but nothing about the Wolverines. Where were you, Alex? All of that said, after the match, and I apologize to him for sharing this moment as he meant it in the kindest way possible. And I just thought it was adorable. It Is, you know, again, the reason I'm sharing it is because I feel so fondly about the man himself. Head coach for the University of Texas, Bruce Burke, comes up to me and goes, Yeah, sorry about that. As if he had to apologize (laughs) for me for beating the Wolverines. And I've never smiled bigger that.
1: That was was a rubbing it in moment. There was No. no. There was no sincere apology there whatsoever. No,
0: you're so wrong. In the tone, in the eye contact we made, everything about him. It was, again, the kindest gesture from Bruce. And I immediately gave him a big hug. I was like, get out of here. I was like, come on. No, are you kidding? That's exactly what college tennis is supposed to be. Two teams leaving it all out there on the court again. Texas advancing with a 4-3 victory over Michigan. TCU back into the final for two winners over Kentucky. again on today's show. We're going to recap everything that happened in each of these two matches. We'll offer some thoughts on some interesting consolation results as well at the end. But all right, let's just get right into it. Texas 4-3 over Michigan. If we're being honest, the match came down to the doubles point. And for this Texas team to Dropped the doubles point last night late at night against Ohio State. Find four singles victories. They finished the match at 10.30. All of us were speculating physically, emotionally, how prepared will they be for the start of this semifinal? They came out guns blazing. And I mean, credit to P.Y. Bailey, C.M. Waldieb. They got up an early break on Styler Maloney. They never let it go. They did such a good job of targeting the Maloney body on big returning points for Pat. And look, this Michigan team just never got going at the number two spot. Credit to Texas for that performance. But then you gotta give credit to Andrew Fenty and Gavin Young. Oh my God, were they good at the number one double spot today. Just you know, I don't think Elliott and Cleve played poorly. They just, much like Maloney and Styler, they never had a chance to get into the match. And so if you're wondering, are Fenty and Gavin really a top 10 team? The answer is unequivocally yes, coming out of their performance today. And then it comes down to the number three spot, a spot that just felt destined from about two all in the set to be headed towards a tie break. It was not pretty tennis. From either team, you saw an abundance of nerves from each of these players, double thoughts on all side, missed easy volleys, you know, half volleys that should have been put in the court that are, you know, dragged wide because again, you're just doing a little too much with that ball. It was really sloppy. A streak of Michigan double faults ultimately hand Texas. And I, I do I say hand. Texas was right in there, obviously, as well, and fought off a set point, I believe, at five-six deuce, but ultimately it is Texas. Seven six. They take the set. I mean, again, you had like you had two good sets of tennis, and then whatever it was at three. And I don't want to diminish what Chi Chi, Micah, Will, Nino were all doing out there because that's what college tennis is all about. There is so much joy for me, Chris, in the shittiness that was that number three die- tiebreak. Like It was awful. It was. The quality was horrible. I think both teams would be the first to admit that. But coming through in those moments, winning ugly, as Brad Gilbert always says, I know it's a massive cliche. It's the name of the game. And like, credit to Texas. They were just pretty enough to win ugly.
1: Yeah, and I think I mean I go back to I don't even remember whether it was day 1 or day 2 listening to you and I think <clears throat> your your take has aged very well and I think we will see it happen. I think you have to split Styler and Maloney up and you know and, and just for that reason, you know, that you got two big power guys there and as you pointed out on, on the broadcast whatever day that was, throw one of them with Cooksey and throw the other one with Aaron Schneider or, you know, let Bick or Steph play whatever. But, but I think we'll, I think we'll probably see between two and three, some mixing up there. Yeah. Fenty and Young look great at one, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, to your point, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to play, if you're going to play bad, there's nothing the other team can do, but beat you. And that's what Texas did. And and in hindsight yeah that ended up being the match but uh I, yeah it was it was not pretty
0: no it yes it was far from beautiful tennis and again you make that point it was a big topic of conversation in the Alex, Brad, Nick, again, my cousin, Brad, my younger brother, Nick, that's my new brain trio. Cause the problem is I just can't call you and talk about it. Cause the issue is we're like, well, we should probably record, right? Like why waste the conversation <laughs> on college? If I'm going to call you personally, we're going to talk about things in our personal lives as friends do, right? I'm like, I'm not going to waste college tennis talk with you if we're not on the show. Cause that's where we do that. Um, but you know, again, I, I always like to say they're also the layman opinion. It's like, you're not trapped in the same bubble I am. I know what Chris thinks. I want to hear what, a, you know, a, a, a new eye to the scene looks like. And here's the thing. Styler and Maloney have been really good together. And when they're on, as we saw yesterday uh, in their win out over UVA, it's like, well, if they get one break, you're not beating them because they're going to hold serve the rest of the way and they've got their energy going. And again, we talked about this yesterday. You have those two pairings, Young, Fenty, Styler, Maloney, even in a vacuum. Those are two really, really good teams. But like the concept of Styler and Nino at two. And then again, Maloney, his energy, his intensity with anyone could be me. Couldn't be you, but could be me. I think we would have a shot at that number three spot. But then you put him with a Cooksey or a Bickerstaff or whoever. Like, yeah, I really like that team at the number three spot. It's not that this doubles pairing isn't good. It's just the question of, do you explore looking for something greater after a weekend? where well, look, you went one and two in doubles. That's a shock for this Michigan team. That said, it's time for the flip side. Texas, the fight of this Texas team, the energy they showed. This Chi-Chi and Braswell team earned a 6-2 win yesterday over Kingsley and Tracy, a team that damn just about never loses. And... Again, it was winning ugly. It was the energy they showed at that number two spot. CM and PY are really, really good. And I just like the balance of all of their teams, right? We know Spaziri and Harper are top 10. Young and Fenty just had a great day. You know, again, PY and Wall Deep, you love the weapons you bring there. Chichi chi and Braswell, you have the power of Braswell, the experience, the quickness of Chichi chi at the net. I am so f-ing pissed. That I let you talk me out of my Texas love again. I'm just like, I'm doubling down on how angry I am that I allowed you to cajole me into selling my Texas stock because like this is the team I was selling to you on our preseason pod, right? It's just like this is the 2021 team, but two years later and plus PY. And it's just like, you, Chris. Why'd I let you talk me out of it? Like it they are, they're it's just like. I know it's so cliche, Texas, fight, but it's just like they have been through the ringer. This is the team that went 10-1 and in four three matches in 2021, and they have that edge to them. They're just like, they're so inner circle when they're healthy.
1: Well, I was just going to say, it's uh, yeah, it's undeniable, the talent on the team. The thing that I didn't see coming, now, first of all, I said to me this year for this team, the swing guy was Waldie, right? If we get him back to what, you know, what he was, then, yeah, they could be super dangerous. And the one thing I didn't see coming was them finding some doubles pairings like this that were going to work. I mean, they've been, I mean, look, I expect mediocre doubles, okay? And, but they're stacked in singles. But if they actually get the doubles point figured out, you know, then, yeah, all I can say to you in your argument is, it's February, Groskin. Let's wait and see what they look like in May because someone's going to be hurt. I, I mean, it just happens. Uh, it, and and if they're and if they're not, yeah, super super day I mean, just like they've already shown this week, very dangerous team.
0: Yeah, and we haven't even talked about the singles portion where again, in the first thirty minutes, it looked and Mike. Mike's not going to listen to this. I'll tell him this to his – I would say this to his face. Whatever. I love Mike Cation, who's been just the absolute – He, he I, jinxed you, man. He f***ing jinxed the shit out of Michigan today. Like, oh my God. I, I almost smacked him. I wanted to be like, you stop it this instant. Like, yeah. just as a neutral party, just like to be there. Oh, I think Michigan's going to run away with it. I think Michigan's the prohibitive favorite. I almost took out my metaphorical bow and arrow and shot an arrow at him, like on the spot. Be like, Mike, stop it. This instant, you you stop this right now. Um, But yeah, like. There was a moment where Bickersteth was up, what, 3-1 in the first set at Harper. You know, Maloney and, and P.Y. are playing really close. You never have a doubt Double on break Maloney. for Gavin. No, yeah, we're going to get there. You know, yeah. Cooksey's <laughs> up an early break. Um I mentioned the other one. Again, Bickerstaff's up in early break. Cooksy's up in early break. Maloney's doing his thing with PY, but you always have faith in Maloney. Fenty, a 6-1 first set where he was the exact same player he was yesterday, uh, or today as he was yesterday against Montez, the day before against Ferry. And then, you know, again, Gavin's up 5-2. And you're just looking and you're like, all right. You know, Gavin's up 5-2 and Styler... I love you, Micah Braswell.
1: Tyler's almost done.
0: <laughs> I love, love you, Micah Braswell. You're a dear friend. I really—you know, again, he knows this. So I can say it, and he'd probably be the first to admit it. Oh, my God. Tyler f***ed him today. I, I don't have a better word for it. Like, I, I would use the imagery I used with my little brother earlier. I'm not going to do that because this is a public show. But, like—and it had everything to do with Andre. Like, oh, Andre yeah. you, is so you, good. If you
1: just watched the finish of that match, you saw Braswell, like, on two or three points in the final game— just throw his hands up. Like, I mean, what what the hell am I supposed to do? I, oh. there's, I mean, it's too good. I can't we're, do anything.
0: We're 15 minutes into the show. I've already dropped six profanities. We've quacked six times, Chris. I warned you this was going to happen. Um, <laughs> look, Andre's up 6-1-3-love or whatever it was, and you're just like, all right, it's one-all. Like, done, sealed, signed, sealed, delivered. And by the way, I said that on the broadcast. I was like, if if Michigan has any shot today, it's because Styler does his thing. He does it. And Michigan plays this excellent 30 minutes. But once again, whenever Texas needed to make a push today, Chris, they were able to do it. And it starts obviously uh, at the number five spot. Cleve Harper from 3 1 down. I think he won nine consecutive games, or maybe it was eight consecutive games to go up a set and a break on Bickersteth at five. You know, all of a sudden, Ar- uh, Aramilli has made it a match at the number six spot. And he's got Cooksey, da- you know, he fights off set points. And now Cooksey's down 5 6, love 40. And, like, you know, again. Gavin Young goes from 5-2 up with tons of set points to he drops the first set, 7-5 against Waldeeb. Every time Texas had their back against the wall in singles, they responded, and it's a credit to them. Ultimately, again, Waldeeb gets through in straight sets. Harper was very good today against Jacob Bickersteth, worked him around the court so well. Harper uh, threw in straight sets, and look, let's start with the Texas side and then we'll get back to Michigan here, Chris. I will never feel more comfortable with any player with a three-all match on the line in college tennis right now than Elliot Spazieri. He is now officially the guy after this match. And you know, I don't say, you know, I take the guy seriously, Chris. I am the foremost scholar when it comes to the history of the guy in men's college tennis. Elliot Spazieri the guy. And like. And I said this to Andrew after the match, and he knows this as well. He was great today. Like, he did his job. His job was to win the first set. He does it. But like Spaziri immediately gets that break back, you know, and uh, it to start the second. And after getting broken at for five all in the second set, immediately breaks back holds 4 seven five there. And then just again, it's not to diminish Fenty. It's just like Elliot's gonna be Elliot down the home stretch of a match. Elliot. Isn't going to, he's going to be able to block out all the other noise. Just focus on his intensity executing the serve, the forehand. The five returns he hit to end the match were the best five returns I have seen in a long time consecutively at the collegiate level, where you're just like, dude, you're going to, like, Fenty hit a good first serve to his forehand twice, and it was just like, corner, corner, you know, line. It was just like, I, again, I, I don't think Andrew played bad. I thought Elliot went and won the match. For Texas and just like it all comes back to what I said earlier Chris this team has been here before and you could see not indoors but they've been in this scenario before this team has played so many three alls they've won a lot they've lost a lot they were ready for it they're no longer a year away Chris like that's just what I have to say they're now competing for a national championship I'm so angry I let you talk me out of it let's do the Texas side first
1: yeah, they are. I oh there's there's no doubt they're they're competing at this point. And I think, yeah, I the oh I still would I'll still say six is a question. I mean, but you know, there's plenty of teams that can go without a six. Uh I don't know. I mean, I I don't know that it's gonna stay Aramilli the whole time. We may be back to Chi Chi at some point, but those top five are rock solid and they look great to your point. I mean, every time – that those first sets Michigan looked like they were going to put five or six first sets up really quick and Texas would not let them do it everybody I mean I was super impressed with the fight from CM Waldee today I mean we know he's got the talent He's back. CM's yeah, back. And we've we've seen him sometimes uh, it would appear I don't think even internally that he's really giving up but he kind of has that sort of that, that sort of lazy look to him when it's not going his way that makes you think He's getting up, and there was none of that today. He was fighting even down five-two in the first set, and rips off five straight games to take the set. I mean, he he looked great. Yeah, I, to your point, Micah. Yeah, you just ran into Styler. They everybody looked good today. There's you can't argue that they're that they're a contender. There's there's no question.
0: You can't argue that they're not a contender.
1: Or that yeah, you can't argue that they're not a contender. That's right. Yeah. They're they're in they're in the mix. There's there's no doubt now. Okay.
0: Well then with that said, I agree with you. I, I think that puts the bow on Texas. I don't want to continue to m- repeat myself and I said it at the start. You gotta feel good for Bruce Burke. I mean, with again, he did not exit Michigan on his terms. Michigan beats Texas last year in the NCAA round of 16. Michigan beats Texas when they played in that national indoor quarterfinal. Bruce was obviously the assistant on that Texas team. Uh, Excuse me, was the head coach of that Texas team. Um, And now he gets the win over Michigan. And it sends his team to another chance to compete for a championship. Like, credit to Coach Burke. I'm, as you know, very fond of Coach, and uh, I think it's a well-deserved moment for he and his program. On the flip side, I mean, I'll let you go first. Where are you with this Michigan team after this match?
1: I, you know, my, I, I knew you were going to ask me that. My first thought was, I'm listening. I'm, I'm hearkening back to you yesterday, going. These guys decided last year they were never going to let that happen again. Bullshit just happened again. That's that's my first take. I mean, they just, they, they, they should, they, they gave it up. And you said Fenty did his job. No, Fenty didn't do his job. Fenty got the five all in the second, could have closed the match, doesn't do it. Fenty gets three break points the first Spaziri service game of the, of the third, doesn't get one. A break point in Spaziri's second service game doesn't get it. A break point in Spaziri's third service game doesn't get it. I mean, there were points everywhere, but that just tells you how thin the margins were. It looked easy on the scoreboard, six, three or whatever it was. But I mean, Shenty had all kinds of chances to, to, to get breaks in that third set. But I mean, but big picture other than giving you grief is, it doesn't change anything. I mean, look, Texas is good, right? I mean, I, it's not changing my opinion of Michigan. I'm, I am still right there. They're a great team. I think this is was this told us a lot more about Texas than it did about Michigan. We knew I mean, we knew after what we saw Michigan do to Virginia, how good Michigan could be. The one thing I will say is my concern for Michigan after this week is. There's undeniable they can beat anybody on any given day after what we saw them do to Virginia. However. If you're going to go to the, if you're going to make it, and I would expect them to make the final eight. But if you make the final eight and you, you know, and you go to the to the final site and you're playing and you have to win three matches in a row or four matches if it's the final sixteen, right? You have to have that level every day. And when we saw we saw out of their doubles on day one and then on day three, that's not every day. They're going to have to find that con, that consistent level. It can't be as much up and down as it was here. But again, you're playing, you know, top two, top five teams playing each other. Someone's going to, someone has to lose. So if I'm ever going to be
0: accused of Michigan bias, this season, it's going to be after this rant, clear my throat to get it ready because I got a good one in me, Chris buckle up. You're so wrong. Like I just, I couldn't disagree with you more. And I don't, I like that you throw me at me as an opening quote. That's a strong move. Counsel, um, and you're right to that extent that, especially indoors, with how well this group had clicked through the first six weeks of the season, a national championship was on the table. There's not a doubt about that. And they didn't win it. And inherently, that's a disappointment because you had a chance to win a national championship and you came short. No doubt about that. I can't dispute that from you. I don't have to tell any of the guys on the Michigan team that. We don't have to. They all know it. You're right. Like, they had a chance at a national championship, but let's do the other side of that. This team is national championship good, and there is no doubt about that at all. Moving forward, and Bickersteth had a tough week, right? He goes 0-1 and 2, and you know again, you feel like the move outdoors helps him that much more. You feel like that's always a really strong spot for the Michigan team. Um, again, like. I'm not coming out of this glass half empty on Jacob Bickersteth. I think he's only going to get better as this season progresses. And the best part, if you're Michigan, Will Cooksey depth is real. He went 3-0 and this week. You know, someone texted me as a joke, the Vegas line was plus 250 on Cooksey today. Like, when it was 5-6, love 40, you felt like that was true. But he digs himself out of that. Nine straight points to take the big lead in the breaker. Ultimately, again, he goes on to win very comfortably in set number two. Now, did we see Yips when he was closing out against Stanford? No doubt about that. Did we see Serving Yips when he's double faulting twice in a row for the doubles point at three? Did we see him throughout the course of the first set? Yeah. But guess what, Chris? He found a way to win the match. And you have a kid who just went 3 0 in his first national indoor event. Like, Between he, Bickersteth, Nino Schneider, who's only going to get healthier and better with every passing day, and if you're a Michigan fan, you got to see him compete. That's big news for the Wolverines moving forward. I think you come out of this feeling better about Michigan's depth. You also know, all right, Andre Styler might be the best player in the country right now. Like, Maloney at... You might Maloney's not maybe won't win every single match that he plays, but he's never going to lose in straight sets. That's just not Patrick Maloney. And then, to your point about Fenty, I just couldn't disagree with you more. I I just couldn't. I I couldn't disagree with you more because I thought he played so well this week. And again, him playing this well at the number one spot gives you the luxury of having Maloney Styler at 2 and 3 where you feel like they're going to go 2 and 0 oh in just about every damn match that we play regardless of who plays where. And Fenty's winning matches 0 and 1 against Montes at 1 to your point 615 all he's right there at the uh against Spaziri today like your top 3 is really good. Your 4 through 6 is really good. Got to figure out some things in the doubles. And then here's the big thing. Final point. I told you this monologue was going to be long. This Michigan team needed to lose this match, and here's why: Gavin Young did not participate in NCAA's or Big Ten last season. You're working in new guys like Cooksey and just you know again Bickerstaff into a group because Maloney, Fenty, Styler, I guess, got to play some of these matches in 2020. But like, you had never played to your point three matches consecutively. All of them are main draws. All of them have a winner go home mentality. This Michigan team finally got to do that three days in a row against top 16 competition, and they went two and one. Now, two and one in Orlando means you're losing in the NCAA final. But to your point, now you can say, okay, do you remember how you felt on day three? You need to get a little fitter. You got to get a little stronger. Because that's exactly the challenge you're going to face in Orlando. And now this team will understand what that three-day stretch actually feels like mentally and physically. And of course, there are no moral victories. You want to win the match. I said it at the very start of this rant. This team has now proven they are NCAA good. And when you prove that, you now have NCAA winning expectations. You can't lose a match like that or you're going to fall short of your goal. But like, now they all have been through it. And now they've, it's just like, this is now, you know, now you know what your team is made of and you can come out of this saying, look, we, we think we were the best team at that event last weekend. Let's get better so we can be that team. We think we can be.
1: I'm not even sure what you're disagreeing with me on, because <laughs> I you said you couldn't disagree more. I'm not backing off my take that I took them to win the title this year. True. I still think they're going to be good and they're going to get better. The only thing you're arguing is your Fenty point, no. and the argument that his job was to win a set is bull. No, no, because his job to win the damn match.
0: Okay, well then we're doing this. We're back. This is old school. Great job, podcast. <laughs> Gavin has to win that set up five two. Oh, he for cannot, sure. That's the one.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah. It, it, I'm not hanging. I mean, we're hanging this on Fenty because he was the last match on, right? But that's not that's not where they ended up losing the match. I t- completely agree with that. But and, I, you know, and Andrew's not going to he's not going to dispute any of this. He was not out there thinking, well, I did my job. I took a set. No, he wanted to win the match. You're right. Too. I'm
0: talking more broadly. You're absolutely yeah. that's very fair. But here it gets back to my point. Like Gavin had never been here before. This was Gavin's first loss of the season. I am still all the chips are in on Gavin Young. I know what that kid is made of. I know what he's capable of doing. He has the it factor you need to be special in those moments. He just came up short on this one. But guess what? Now he's been through that. Now it's like, all right, I couldn't buy a first serve up 5-2. What do I have to do to ensure that never happens to me again? Like, I just think they need it. Like, if you're going to win a national championship, you need a loss like this. I think back to, you know, Virginia who won it last year, 2021 in Orlando, they lost to a USC team that they were better than. They had no business losing that match to USC and the round of 16. But USC had been through the ringer. That USC team had won a national indoor title together. They just had an experience in the biggest moments that Virginia wasn't able to match. Now this Michigan team, I think, has that. And I know that's crazy to say after three matches, but it's the totality of things this group, which is essentially the group from last season, has now been through. And that's too long on Michigan on this show. I apologize. I said at the start of the monologue, if I'm ever going to be accused of it, today was going to be the day. But, like, I guess that's the crux of my argument, is no loss is a good loss. And yet, like, that's why I'm not in a mood. So, okay, let's get this back to what really matters, me and my mood. Like, coming out of this, Chris, I really don't feel that bad. Like, I'm surprised I'm not more upset than I thought I'd be. Maybe that's just because I'm a professional now. And I'm like, you know what? You got it, it. Well, I just think You've Texas is— sold out.
1: you sold out, yeah, just, Ain't that the truth? I just Somehow think Texas, I feel worse than you do.
0: Well, so now I'm going to agree with you. I just think it's— the, Yeah, that's fine. I just think it's that Texas is that good. Like, maybe here's the thing. It's twofold. It's that Texas is that good. And B, it's that it's not May. It's that I'm like, okay, if this happened in May, as a Michigan fan, a part of me would have died inside. But we still have three more months, and it's like, yeah, I know you lost this one, and it pissed you off. But like, when we lost, reach, okay, full circle. Now you know we're in. Um, we, <laughs> no, we meaning the Michigan Club Tennis Team, junior year, we lose round of sixteen to Florida. It was the th- it was the third straight year we had lost round of sixteen. It was. Our junior year team wasn't as good as the senior year team, but we were so much better than the Auburn team that ended up winning it. And I remember going to that final and looking at Max, and I distinctly remember us having a conversation, maybe a little tipsy, that night at the hotel and being like, I will never let us lose that. Like, we're never not playing in the final again. Like, it was so—these teams suck. Like, let's—or, it's not that they suck, but it's like, we are as good as any of these guys— and now we know how it just sucks to lose when you shouldn't lose. And it's just like, that was this moment. And as someone who has had a moment like that, I know how beneficial it is moving forward. And that's my final thought on it, Chris. I'm sick of repeating myself.
1: Hook them horns.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Did we mention how good Texas is inner circle good? Like we did that at the start, right? That was 30 minutes ago. So, you're right. I think we can Yeah, move we, we on. We'll,
1: we'll we'll give you a little leniency here for your for your Michigan squad. But yeah, I mean For to my your Michigan point.
0: squad, thanks coach Burke. Are you apologizing to me now? Like literally yeah, for, to a teacher, to they're like so, I'm like you guys don't have to apologize to me. I respect all of you now. That's like a you know me. I like I just like good tennis. And this was even when it was ugly, it was beautiful.
1: The, the 37 double faults by Cooksey was good tennis?
0: Well, how did you not laugh?
1: Like, didn't the ultimate oh, goal to no, be entertained? You know okay, for, I, I hope that everybody that's listening to this tuned into the broadcast. Yeah. Because the absolute funniest moment on the broadcast today, and then we could move on, was when I don't even know what the score in the game was. And it might have been... I think it might have been that five-six love forty hole that Cookie dug himself and, and into. And Mike says disaster. And Mike says yeah. no. Mike, Mike says sending my prayers.
0: Yeah, that was so great.
1: <laughs> I about lost it.
0: Yeah. It was. It was a good day again. Yeah. I think we pitched a really good game today. I was. And Mike's the best. It's full circle here. Uh, again, Mike is the best. All right. Let's see how many minutes did we do on that match? Twenty-eight. Do we do wow. 28 on TCU? Well, See, so at Kentucky? least we
1: only have two matches to cover, and then, and then we'll throw some bones to the others. <laughs>
0: well, again, I do apologize to some of our listeners who maybe that, think that was too much. But, guys, it's weekend number two of the That's National why they're
1: League. listening. They, they but, want the Gruskin personality. I also,
0: yeah, this is why they apologize after the Michigan <laughs> match. Um, no, I just – you know what it is? I've developed such a strong filter to get all of this out – and after these two weekends of broadcast, it's just dead. It's just like the filter is destroyed. <laughs> um, like, yeah, no. <laughs> I'm quacking that. Um yeah, I um yeah, yeah, that's um that's well said, Chris. All right. That's enough on Texas uh USC uh, Texas USCC. My brain is officially broken. That's enough on Texas Michigan. Credit to this Texas team who by the way, they advanced to the National Indoor Finals for the first time in program history on the men's side. Isn't that a little surprising? like I just felt like you just figured there had to be a team of like Denton and you know Levine and all those guys from back in the day I forget the guy Kevin Curran who Kevin
1: Curran yeah yeah, who
0: like made a run to the indoor final but it's like nope even none of those teams managed to do it meanwhile the 75 team someone on the chat so I'm going to name drop it here 75 team for Michigan that made the final I think Victor Amaya the All-American superstar obviously on the pro circuit as well was a member of that team and someone goes you know I didn't expect to wake up today to hear the name Victor Amaya and I was like well then you've never been to a Cracked Rackets broadcast, my friend. (laughs) Welcome in. Um, But all right, that's the last Michigan take of the day. Let's move on now to the match that started the day, TCU versus Kentucky. And it was, again, a match that felt like doubles was going to be so important for each of these teams. We know how hard it is, especially at this stage of an event, to find more than three singles victories. And look, credit to Cedric Kaufman, Matt Gordon, Mr. Draxel, I can't call him by his phone. I'm just like, he's Mr. Draxel to me, um, and this Kentucky coaching staff, the adjustments they made in doubles were the correct adjustments. Like, again, Draxel and Weeks, Lapidot, Mercer, uh, Ieni and Boddy, that is a spreading of the wealth. Those are balanced teams. And I know Draxel and Weeks lost today to Gorsny and Vives, and we'll get to the TCU side of things in a second. But I always like to start glass half full for the glass half empty. I really like the energy of them. I love the way Draxel coaxes Weeks along with his energy, with his intensity. Lapidon and Mercer are just good. They've been good now for a year and a half. Like, we know what they are. And then Iani and Body play with the athleticism, intensity, and energy you need out of a number one team. And they have the weapons. They have the strength to compete at that position. Look, Kentucky didn't lose the doubles point. TCU went out and won it. And Gorzi and Vivas at three should be illegal. Now, the problem is there's nowhere you can put them in the lineup because Jong and Pennington Jones, who lost today, are also really f***ing good. But if you're going to talk about TCU's depth, like that right there is what screams it. Vives and Gorsny, Sebastian Gorsny, who won, oh, I don't know, Junior Wimbledon, junior Wimbledon. over the course of the past summer in doubles, and Pedro Vives, who, oh, I don't know, has been top 500 in the world or 600 in the world in the ATP singles rankings, and that's your three doubles team, Chris? Like, this TCU team was just—they were businesslike throughout the course of the doubles. Again, Gorsny, Vivas get up early. They never let that break go. Fernley, Famba down early. They find a way to, you know, get scrap their way back. And it's a really nice combination because I think my biggest question coming into this weekend for TCU was, like, I get Jake Fernley's at one. Is that a stack or is that the real deal? And to quote Burtis Kruger, it was great to hear from him in the chat today, you know, Fernley's got the biggest forehand on the team. I don't know if he's right, but he's definitely not wrong. And, like, Jake Fernley, is number one singles good. Jake Fernley, I didn't know he was this athletic. I didn't know he hit the ball this big. I didn't know he was this good at volleying. Like, last year I thought, oh, yeah, at four, at five, sure, his athletic— you know, he hits a heavy enough ball that's going to overwhelm people at those positions. But I didn't realize he was number one singles good. And I didn't realize—I mean, I did know how good he and Famba could be together, but I just get it now. It's like, oh— no, no, no! It's not a stack. Like I think Fernley actually does belong there, and again, Fomba and Fernley are as good of a number one doubles team as you'll see in the country on any given day. It was a good doubles point. TCU just a little bit better.
1: Yeah, my only question, you know, in in the doubles for them is, are they actually going to stick with JPJ? I, I can I can see a world where they say, you know what? Well, didn't they go two and one though? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah, they they were good, but I mean. Again, it's the same thing in singles. They've just got so many options. But mm-hmm. but I think we're starting on the Kentucky side anyway. So let's get back to the Kentucky side. Well,
0: no, no, no. We don't have to do that. We can get – well, yeah, we're all over the place. Again, now we're back into late-night podcasting mode as the clock hits 1122 mm-hmm. Eastern time. Um, no, like – no, we're we're following up on that. That was too. You can't just drop that uh, nugget, Chris. and not Yeah, I,
1: I I'm just not like like you know you had you're you're sitting a guy like Maxted that's had all kinds of success. And, yeah, he and Jong are top ten in the country as a duo in doubles. Yeah, and they
0: might be the third best doubles team on their roster. I mean, again, like it's crazy.
1: Yeah, so I, you know, I think I think the question right now for them, and they've got the luxury of probably having the time to figure it out, is are – you know. Does Coach Rodidi and, do and Coach Bowen really believe that that JPJ is one of their best six doubles players and should be in there? And if so, they're going to lead them, him in there for the long haul to make sure that by the time May rolls around, he's had a lot of experience with a guy because you're not going to take him out now and then have to throw him in. Or, you know, are you not sold? At which point I could see them still, you know, playing around with the, those doubles teams because they've got at least one outstanding doubles player not playing doubles right now
0: yeah it's very well said um yeah and by the way we haven't even said the name tomas girasek don't worry we will come singles time, yeah yeah. Folks. yeah yeah that's we're in the gonna single get, side that, yeah, that's exactly. the guy i
1: don't i don't feel horrible the, hold, saying he's not hold doubles.
0: hold yeah hold the reins chris yeah exactly that's fine i agree with you there um No, look, again, like I like Draxel and Weeks as a team. I like how explosive Weeks is. I think for a freshman to get the reps he got this week was extraordinarily valuable, especially for a January edition, right? I was talking to one coach who was saying how hard it is to have success as a January edition when you don't have a fall to get acclimated and made some very good points about the whole process saying, name me the best January admit here this year other than JPJ. And I'm like, well, that's not fair. Um, yeah, and even he was there in the fall, even if he wasn't eligible, um, which was the point that coach made, and I was like, good point, coach. Um, yeah, like, I again, I, I think this started with Kentucky somehow. Uh, I, I thought Kentucky played good doubles this weekend. I thought, again, we, do, we keep doing this. Did you learn more about Kentucky in the loss or TCU in the win? I think as it relates to doubles, I learned more about TCU in the win, and I think if you're Kentucky that your doubles played this well this early with all these new pairings, you are feeling great heading into what Cedric Kaufman calls the French Open portion of the calendar, slam number two, which is regular season conference play. He made this four-slam analogy. It was the best analogy I've ever heard. He goes, yeah, everything through the indoors, that's slam number one. That's Australia. Regular season conference play, the French— Wimbledon, of course, your SEC tournament play, and then you've got the granddaddy of them all, the U.S. Open, is NCAs, and I was like Cedric, I'll cite you, but I'm stealing the <laughs> out of that, and so I did, um, and I cited him there. So you're welcome. And by the way, the f bomb count we're we're hitting records here, so I'm gonna rein it back in. But look, then we get into singles, and I thought it was okay. Let's we're ready for honesty mode, Chris. Can I lay a take on you? Let's hear it. I didn't think Kentucky was that
1: good. I, I know didn't, you didn't. I was, I was gonna, I wanted to see if you were gonna own up to it on the show here.
0: No, I always say I, with the way. I oh again, I'm not gonna waste a content piece with you and then not use it on the show. Chris, come on. I
1: almost like, texted you mid match. Said,
0: "How's that? You, will you still
1: think that, Graskin?"
0: No, I just like, I just didn't like. I I thought they were fine. Like I just. You know, again, I didn't realize Taha Body was this good. And I know he was undefeated to start the season. But, like, I've seen Taha run up a ton of match wins at Wake Forest in middle of lineup positions. And then, like, sometimes in the biggest matches, he wouldn't even play. And, like, that's where to me, like, I just needed to see it from Taha Body. Well, I saw it today. Chris, let me tell you that match against Sander Jong might've been the best match we saw. Yeah, I,
1: I mean, I, I keep telling you the same thing. He, he is a guy that plays to the level of his competition. And it doesn't matter whether you're playing a top 150 guy in a challenger or you're playing a number four guy. That's not on the TCU roster. He's going to find a way to play to that level. And that's, you know, he's got some improvements to do there, but when he's playing the really good guys, he's really good. Yeah. Very well said. And so like, to your point, He's really good at the number
0: four spot. Like, I'm, I I see it now. I apologize for the doubts. I created the Joshua Lapidot bandwagon, so I'm not going to – like, no one's going to allow that to say you doubt – you know, I doubt it. The Draxel in-person experience, you watch and you're just like, oh, I get it now. And, like, again, there. I watched Dostanich beat him, but, like, the energy Draxel sets at the top, I'm a believer in that. I hadn't got the chance to watch a ton of Alafia play during his time at Cornell. I get it; like it's just, it's just great. Alafia might be the most compelling watch in all of college tennis right now. The athleticism, the daringness, and then the flair he brings. Like again, it's just Draxel and him at the top. It's the sort of energy you love to see uh, in college tennis. And then, like, yeah, Costner is good. Not, not like, not just like, oh, he's solid. No, no, no he is he's good, good. Yeah. and like weeks is young he's really athlete like you see pieces here and there it gets a little bit disjointed at times i do wonder if like come the end of the season you go
1: Cosne five weeks at well, six yeah i think that's coming i actually yeah. right now i think weeks just need i mean he's got a ton of upside he just yeah. needs a little more you know a, a little more work
0: and then again let's look at the scores Fomba wins six four in the third you know uh Jirasek wins 6-3 in the third. Jong and Body are in a third set. I think this TCU team is really, really good, and Kentucky played them evenly. I apologize, Coach Kaufman. I apologize, Coach Gordon. Like, no, no, no. The depth, They don't have depth issues anymore. I kept saying 5-6. Those were the positions to attack. And look, TCU wins at 5-6 because they're really good at those spots, Chris. It's not because, you know, Kentucky didn't lose the match. TCU went out and won it. That's my Kentucky take. I did own up to it. That was also, by the way, F-bomb number 11 of the show. I'll stop keeping track here, but um, impressive by me. I'm back, Chris. Did you miss me? I'm back. Um, All right. I don't know. Again, I, I, I say all that about Kentucky, but guess who wins the match? TCU. Who my takeaway coming out is like, yep. They are uh, like, why did not we have them preseason number two? Like, what were because we? we didn't know Pinnington Jones was eligible. That's why. Because, but it's like, oh, okay, he's eligible, and they still have dead and Vives on the bench. Like, yep, they they are good.
1: Yeah. No. Yeah. The, I think Inner this circle. is some. Yeah, this is pretty. That's everything you said is very well summarized. I was texting one of the one of the SEC coaches during this match uh, about just you know the success and the potential success on the day for the SECs in general right Georgia big win Kentucky obviously didn't get there South Carolina gets the win over North Carolina Second, Florida four, gets the win the over season. Baylor yeah. and you know later in the day it then the then the quote Tennessee. then was and if Tennessee does it you get tennis right everything was going well and and I said yeah and you know the the thought on the Kentucky match at that point was you know they're This should show people they are a top five team. Mm -hmm. It was just that TCU is just too much. I mean, you know, any given day, maybe, but they're just that good that if you play them, you know, a, a number of times, they're going to win more than you. Uh, they're the only team where I look at their lineup and think, yeah, they could get four singles
0: victories. Like I like, and I say that, right. Like, am I onto something here, Chris? Normally that's where you'd laugh. So I'm a little offended that you didn't there. Um, but like, isn't that the take where you look, isn't that like what, well, yeah, what you, tier is TCU in? They're in the, yeah, they could get four singles victories tier, which is the highest of high tiers.
1: Well, you, what's funny is that we're, we're not talking about them probably as strongly as, as being the prohibitive favorite for a national title, as we did about Florida, the Florida team that we just said, I don't care if they win that wasn't good at doubles and we didn't care. Yeah. Right. And we said, because they can win four singles matches, but now we've got a team that we say the same thing in singles, but they're really good at doubles. Chris. And yet we still don't seem to be, and I'm with you. I'm still, and I'm not as, Heavy on that, you know, yeah, they are they're really good. They're good everywhere.
0: Yeah. The difference I think, well, first of all, that's you haven't made a point that good since 2019. Bravo to you. That was really well done, Chris. So you're let's let the record show you're throwing heaters as well. Is this what I have to do to get you to throw heaters is just swear <laughs> at you for 46 <laughs> minutes straight, and then you get angry enough to start just coming back with freaking sauce? Um <laughs> that's a really good point. Really, really good point. And It's fascinating because I was talking to a coach today. This is the best part about being on site is you just get to have the conversations again. And a huge thank you to every coach, every player who tolerates my nonsense, because God knows like the cranberries, I like to linger, Chris. Um,
1: yeah,
0: (laughs) you thought I wasn't gonna be able to sneak it in again. Come on.
1: Wow. Um, I caught the time after time reference on the broadcast today too.
0: I will be waiting. (laughs) Um, All right. You disrupted my rhythm here. Talking to the coaches about all the Oh, how many teams have won national indoors and NCAAs in the same season? I was really, you know, again, I was thinking, I was like, oh, I can think of something like Wake Forest did it 2018, right? Uh, Virginia did it 2017. The 2017 Virginia teams, maybe the best of all the Virginia teams and 2018 Wake Forest was uniquely excellent in that Gojo, Frisocos, Mansouri, plus doubles and uh bots or, excuse me plus doubles combination of just like how good those four points were <laughs> Yeah specifically. and then throw doubles
1: guys in there yeah. like Seraphim and Dempster. Do you remember do you Come remember on.
0: No, do you remember our Alan Godjev debates? Like oh. I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, you know what yeah, I miss Godjev doing on this six. show? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I miss talking about Alan Godjev. I was like, that's really our roots. Um so shout out to Alan Godjev, whatever he's up to nowadays. Um <laughs> But like, so those two teams I think SC did it in 2012, that final Stevie Johnson year, because they're like, all right, guys, let's win indoors once. Um, And then, like, I think, like, in modern memory, and then uh, the Illinois team, right, from 2003. Like, I'm pretty sure that team did it as well. I think that's it in modern memory. Now, there might be a Baylor team, a UCLA team, I'm forgetting. If so, I apologize, although Becker said his teams never did it. Um, So, sorry, that's who I was talking to. Um, The point is, like, it's really hard to win both. TCU could win both this year. I mean, they're in the championship match. And yeah, so I think they, they could. Go it,
1: well, they, they were the favorite to do it last year, right? They won indoors. They were the top seed going into the NCAAs. Yeah.
0: Which, it, is the, I mean, which is the thing we forget more than anything else. TCU was the top seed at NCAAs last year. And by the way, this was an NCAA flipping of the script. Michigan beats Texas in the round of 16, Kentucky beats TCU in the quarterfinals. Both teams remembered that flip the script here on today's indoors but final thoughts go to you
1: yeah no i i mean i i'm i'm really looking forward to seeing what tcu does the rest of the year it's uh i mean look it's been a long time i I can't remember when's the last time we had a team run the tick come into ncaa's undefeated
0: i mean virginia didn't in 17 Wake Forest lost that match at Florida. Shout out Oliver Crawford. We remember that match, Chris. That's another yeah. OG match where it was like, "What yeah. happened here today?" Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know when uh, the last time that he wasn't undefeated in any of their runs. Virginia. Oh, you know what happened. it was? Nope. I can tell you exactly what it was. Twenty thirteen UVA goes undefeated. They win in. That's when I forgot as well. Twenty thirteen UVA won indoors. They won outdoors. They went undefeated. I have. I mean. I still dream about Jenkins, Damajan, and Frank as my top three. So just carry on.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I'm just I'm you know I'm sitting here looking at this. If, That's it though. Know, it's it's been a, it's literally been a decade. 2013. It's been a decade, and if if they Look, can you know if they can pull off that win tomorrow, I mean right now you're you're looking at I mean we had what we thought was a big three. Baylor not quite there yet, right? Mm-hmm. So now we've probably got. A big two in the Big 12, which is TCU in Texas. They're going to play tomorrow. They're going to get to play in the regular season. They're probably going to get to play in the Big 12. But if they can handle Texas, they may not lose a match this year. <sighs> Chris, I'm really proud
0: of this show. And again, my brain might be broken. But what a great question posed by you to just allow me to be in a mood to talk about the 2013 Virginia team as the last <laughs> yeah. team to be undefeated. I'm like, I'm so happy right now. You have made my day, my
1: friend. I mean, um, come on. Now. All I need to do is lay up some Sabdeb DeVarman thing yeah, for you exactly. and, and, you're, and it's all good.
0: All I'm saying is if there's a Mount Rushmore of Cracked Rackets Great Shot podcast episodes, this one better be on. <laughs> um yeah. And I, yeah mom you be the final judge as the ultimate scholar of great chapot the only person who's actually listened to every single one um no all right and we got in the obligatory dr gruskin reference so i mentioned my mom now we really have hit all of the bases all of that said, final place to go. Again, National Indoor Championship. We're going to be doing a pregame show, 11.30 a.m. Central Time on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. Match, of course, starts at noon. It'll be myself, Mike Cation, Super Producer Daniel Westoff, steering the ship. It's the last time I get to ask you this, Chris. Match calculus, prediction, which
1: way you lean in? I mean, goodness. the I would, I would say the only thing I feel really good about in in picking something in this match is that TCU should win at six. (laughs) Beyond (laughs) that, I mean, the way Texas has played this week, uh, uh, Lord knows. I mean, TCU certainly the edge, I will say, in doubles. Doesn't mean they're going to win it. Probably the edge in doubles. Uh, But then after that, boy, uh, I'm with you on Spaziri. Fernley's been great, but I, somehow you got to lean Elliot, uh, at one. I'm just trying to figure out how, where Texas gets their four if they drop the doubles like they did against Ohio. I mean, and, and not that they can't right? They did it against Ohio state. Uh, I think they, you know, I think it's gotta be four of the top five and I think they're going to need a big, they're going to need a big bounce back from Micah Braswell. Um, uh, because I think that's a that's a spot that they they probably, I mean, I, look, JPJ's not been great. He hasn't been bad. hasn't been great. I think he's susceptible. I just think it's too just like I thought against Kentucky today, who played them really well. They're just too much right now. They're so good. Uh, I th- I got to lean like four. Assuming TCU takes doubles, I'll say four two. If they don't take doubles, we could be in for a four three match.
0: Yeah. All right. Here's what I will say, because I think this is an interesting factoid I see right now. This group, Spaziri, Waldeep, Braswell, Harper, they've never beaten TCU. Not once. And they've played three times since the start of the 2020 season. The team went 0-2 last year. TCU also got them in 2021 4-3 in Austin. That's just a little nugget. I like that one. Like again, this TC, this Texas team's been on a revenge tour, right? Like again, after last year they went 18 and 11. I just saw that number night; my jaw dropped. I was like, "That's I'm, I'm picking." It's gonna be a good pregame show tomorrow. Let's just say after these five minutes of watching, but like, here's the question: You beat Ohio State 4-3. The match ends 10:30. You beat Michigan 4-3. Everyone gets pushed again. You've got till noon the next day at a match. And again, this is part of the schedule. I'm not blaming anyone. I'm just saying you have till noon the next day to get ready for a championship match against a conference foe that this core has never beaten. Will Texas be able to get up to- for it? If today's match against Michigan was any preview, the answer will unequivocally be yes. Will Texas be able to continue to dig themselves out of out of holes? Because here's the problem: if TCU's in a scenario where they're up breaks on all six sets, as Michigan was today, like I know it was very early in first sets, but like can Texas climb out of that again? A third day in a row after they were down a doubles point against Ohio State in the quarters as well. Like if they do that. I'm going to say it for another time. Boy, will I be pissed. I let you talk me out of any Texas takes I had coming into this 2023 season. But yeah, I mean, you say TCU 4-3, that's your go-to pick?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I have to lean that way. But I'll say, I I will say this. I will lay, I lay zero, you know, I put zero credence in sort of the argument that anybody would want to make about hey, they played late, they went long, whatever. Look, we're talking about a bunch of 19 and 20 year old kids for the most part that can go forever. It's not the physical aspect that's gonna be the problem, it's the mental part. Because when you get really tired, that's what gives in is the head. And it won't be that, oh, the legs aren't there or the fitness was no, that's not the issue. It's that you just got mentally drained and you gave in. And I just don't see that happening. But but there's I have there's no question that there's no physical issues. I mean, they're they'll be ready to go. <laughs> yeah. That's that's so well said.
0: Again, Chris, I'm gonna swear at you more often. You know the problem is now? We go live on the deciding point, so I can't swear because we're live. And so it's like I feel the comfort of being able to do that when we're not. Um very well said. I think we've got a fantastic match against TCU looking to make it back to back national indoor championships. Can you name the last team that won them back to back, Chris?
1: Uh, gotta be Virginia.
0: 2010 2011, Virginia, part of the Virginia 4 Pete. They won from 08 to 11. The Shabazz Sonam Singh class never lost at the national indoors. It's been that long since we've had back to back champions. Over a decade. That speaks to, again, everything we've seen in the college tennis world over the past decade. And it speaks to how special this opportunity will prove for these TCU Horned Frogs. But again, with all that in mind, Chris, How about this? Here's the deal I'm going to make with you, because Jay and I did this as well. Uh, If you have one consolation thought, much like yesterday, you want to share, feel free to go to it. And by the way, I suppose the final thought, the 0-3 teams overall ultimately end up as who? Stanford goes 0-3. No, Wake. No, Wake goes 0-3. Wake and Baylor. Stanford beat them? Oh, 4-0. I didn't even look at it. That's okay. Crushed him. Okay. So, yeah. so Wake and Baylor go 0-3? If you want to comment on that, I suppose you can. Uh, what we're going to do on the deciding point this week, we're going to do a take a team. So, we're just going to do one take every team. We're going to talk about everyone. We'll recap the finals. That episode, of course, could be Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. But, yeah, that's my promise to you. Final thoughts go to you.
1: I, I won't go on a necessarily a consolation match. I'll give you a different take. Sure. And that is just the, a take on conferences and how they played out. Disappointing for the Pac-12 and the ACC. Look, the AC, North Carolina goes one and two. Virginia goes one and two. Wake goes zero oh and three. Brutal for the ACC. Pac-12, USC goes one and two. Stanford goes one and two. Not great. The Big Twelve, obviously the huge winner, even with the Baylor zero and three mark, three and zero from both Texas and TCU coming in uh, and playing the final tomorrow, and then the SEC and the Big Ten both showed fairly well as well. Yeah. So, these no,
0: well said. These are all things we will expand upon on that Wednesday night edition of the deciding point. Because yeah, you're right. There are still a few nuggets for us to continue to unpack, but <sighs> that was therapeutic, Chris. I think I needed that. I appreciate that very much. Uh, Again, those are our thoughts on a phenomenal. All right. Let me ask you that. Scale out of 10. Was it a good semifinal Sunday? What do you give it?
1: Oh, it was a great. I mean, look, regardless of I can pick on the fact that, you know, maybe some of the matches aren't the cleanest or whatever. But what you really want out of these matches, and, and, you know, I commented early on the day, the day three is always one of my favorites just because – you're getting all the teams that have sort of self-selected into the same part of the draw, right? So you you should have really competitive matches, and and yeah, I don't whether it's good tennis, bad tennis. You want high energy, competitive, you know, yeah. you know, exciting down to the wire, and and we didn't get four oh four one matches uh, in the for the two semifinals. So uh, you know, to get a four three and a four two that were both tightly contested, great, great semifinal day.
0: Very well said. With all that in mind, of course, again, Championship Monday on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel pregame show with myself, Mike Cation, starting at 1130 a.m. Central time. Of course, we'll have coverage from first ball to last of the final starting at noon Central as well. Last shout-out, of course, goes to super producer Daniel Westoff, who has a f- of an energy job to do day in, day out. I truly mean that this literally time. Literally this
1: time, yeah. yeah.
0: Literally, that's the job for this <laughs> podcast. That's quite literally the job uh, for Westoff here. But by the way, only Daniel Westoff could find a way to m- manage through all of the technical issues we had at moments on the stream, and I appreciate all of your patience. I would ask next time, if you see technical difficulties – after the first three messages, you don't need to keep sending messages. They just break Westoff's brain. Like, text me, tweet at me, you know, delete. trust me, the moment Westoff sees something's off, he always knows and he's always getting to work on it. But shout out to Westoff for fixing everything as he always does. Shout out again to Chris Helioris for staying up tolerating all of my nonsense and shout out to everyone who made this national indoor championship such a special experience here in Chicago with all of that said for the fantastic Chris Helioris our super producer Daniel Westhoff and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network I'm your host Alex Gruskin Chris what do we tell all of our listeners hey great shot and we will see you all tomorrow thanks everyone